I want to go into the Word of God this morning. And uh, uh, starting today, we're going to spend three Sundays uh, talking about our identity. You know, all of us search for our identity. Who am I? We search for our identity. Who am I? And uh, we struggle in trying to come to a place of, uh, of, you know, describing ourselves. You know, am I a good person? Am I a person who's loved by others, appreciated by others? Do people really care about me? Do people really love me? Do people really accept me? You know, we all struggle with our identity. And uh, all of us are either living from an identity or are living for an identity. You know, if you're living from an identity, then you know who you are and all the decisions you make are based on who you know you are. You know that you are a person of integrity. So, when you have to make choices, when you make decisions, you choose by default or you purpose to choose integrity because you know that's who you are. You established an inner identity. And also, when you're living from an identity, the things that you're aspiring for, whatever you're working towards, the goals, the dreams that you're trying to achieve, you're doing it not because you will form your identity as a result, but the reason you're aspiring for those things, you're pursuing those things, is so that when you get there, you believe that you can give a full expression to who you really are. Are you with me so far? But some of us, instead of living from an identity, we are living for an identity. We think that, you know, one day if I become this great cricketer, or I become this great you know, musician, or I become this great businessman, then one day I will have my identity in that. And so we are trying to create an identity pursuing certain goals. And we may achieve that, we may not achieve that. And all along the process, we are struggling with our own identity. Who am I really? And uh, what we all understand is that what we do in life tends to flow from who we perceive ourselves to be. Our choices, our decisions tends to flow from who we perceive ourselves to be. Now, you perceive yourself to be a person of strength. You're going to fight. You perceive yourself to be a, a fighter. Or somebody will never quit. It doesn't matter what you face. Your response is going to be, I will fight through it. Why? Because you perceive yourself to be a strong person. Somebody is going to fight through life. So what we do tends to flow out of what we perceive ourselves. And here's the other interesting thing that all of us can relate to. We tend to judge ourselves in the light of what we perceive to be the way somebody else judges us in comparison to themselves. You know, so just imagine the two of us. What I think about myself is so influenced by what I think you think about me. And that's how I think about myself. Very often, what I think that you think about me is always in relation to 
how I am before yourself. So let's say, if I think that you think that I'm a bad person, then I'm going to think of myself as a bad person. Because I think that you think I'm a bad person. And in reality, it might be that you're not even thinking about me. Or maybe you're thinking good about me, whereas I think that you're thinking that I'm a bad person, and so I'm looking at myself bad when really you're looking at me good. But unfortunately, that's how we live. And we tend to form our identity based on such assumptions. Psychologists will tell us that there are many, many factors that influence the formation of an identity. That affect identity formation. It could be self. It could be family. It could be cultural. It could be vocational. Environmental factors. Educational, social, even spiritual things. All these play different roles in, in helping shape and form our identity. And you know, all of us have been through a time of being broken on the inside. Our inner identity has been broken. I mean, almost right from childhood. You know, dad says, man, you are a loser. And you wake up late and your mom says, you know, man, you'll never amount to anything if you don't wake up before six o'clock. And, and we keep hearing such things. And before we realize it, our inner self, our inner identity has been dismantled, has been broken by our, you know, by our parents, by others around us. The words they speak into our lives, they have, they have really deformed our inner identity. And we've all been through it. Sometimes by our, by our own actions. You know, we do wrong things and, and then we, we blame ourselves. We can't forgive ourselves. And, uh, you know, and we are so hard on ourselves. And uh, our inner identity is broken. Sometimes we're just totally confused because of all this. And, you know, because of not having an inner identity that is whole and complete, many of the things that we say and we do and the way we act and react stems because of our inner brokenness. But this morning, I want all of us to understand that because we are in Christ, because we all are in Jesus Christ, something has changed on the inside of us. And if we can understand that God has done something inside to consolidate our inner identity, and if we can live from that, life is going to be very different. Amen? So we're beginning a three-part series. It's called ID Please. And we're just essentially going to recap our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ. Now, we have a publication out there called uh, Who We Are in Christ. And this is kind of an exhaustive study on the subject, who we are in Christ. There are about 130 scriptures that teach us what God has done for us in Christ. And if you, I'd encourage you to pick this up. It's just a study outline. You can study that in depth at home. And maybe in, in the coming year we will spend, we might spend time just revisiting this subject. But in these three Sundays, just give us an overview of our identity in Christ Jesus. This is probably one of the most important truths any believer has to be established in after coming to faith in Christ. You just need to have this so established in you. Know who you are in Jesus. It will make a big difference the way you live. You will live from an identity rather than living for something you hope to become 
in the, in somewhere in the future. The key line that I want you and I to take with us is simply this. And you've heard me say this before. Who you are in Christ is who you really are. So let's say that together. Who I am in Christ is who I really am. You know, if you will live out of that, life will be very different. To live out of your identity in Christ. So let's just go through some scriptures. Many of these will be very familiar with you to many of us. But let's revisit this subject and just, you know, refresh our understanding on who we are in Christ. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And the scriptures are out there on the, on the screen. You can just follow along with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible says, Therefore, if anyone, anyone means you, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If you are in Christ, the Bible says you are a new creation. Now, in what sense? Not the physical, because, you know, if you were short, you remain short, tall, whatever. The physical didn't change. Not in the mind, because the mind remained as it was and just had to go through the natural development. But when you got into Christ, your inner being, your inner man, your spirit man became a new person. You received a brand new identity in your spirit. You became a new creature, a new person in your spirit. When you came into Christ, when you became a Christian, when you got born again and received the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you became a new creation. Received a new identity in your spirit. And 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30 tells us how this happened. You know, it didn't happen because you raised your hand up in a meeting. It didn't happen because you signed a card. It didn't happen because you joined a church. How did you get into Christ? 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30 says, But of Him are you in Christ. But of Him, or some versions would say, because of Him. Today's English version says, God has brought you into union with Christ. So how did you get into Christ? Because God moved in your life at that point when you decided to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. God moved in and He took you and put you in Christ. Because of Him, you are in Christ. No man could do this for you. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this. We are His workmanship. You are God's handiwork. You are something God has done. And God is doing. We are His workmanship created in Christ. So God has done something in you. The very fingerprint of God is in you. And you are His workmanship created. Meaning a creative work of God took place the moment you got born again. Imagine the creative energies of God coming into your very being, creating you, doing something new, created in Christ. You are in Christ. We are His workmanship created in Christ. The creative power of God took you into Christ. Now, you say, now, what does this mean? How, how do I understand it? 
There are many different ways to describe our being in Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.17 He said, But he who was joined with the Lord is one spirit with him. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So if you are in him, you are joined to the Lord, you are one spirit. Spiritually, you are connected to Jesus Christ. Jesus described it like this. He said, I am the wine. You're the branches. He's the wine. You're the branch. You're connected to him. So in your spirit, you are one with him. You are connected to him. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. You are united with him in spirit. Jesus said, I am in you and you are in me. John 14, 20. So we must understand that in the realm of the spirit, in our spirit, we are actually connected with Jesus. We are one with Jesus Christ in the spirit. And so we have a new identity. We became new in our spirit. And you know, when you became a new creation, this is what happened. Your identity before God changed. When you became a new creation, your identity in the world changed. When you became a new creation, your identity before the devil changed. So the challenge is for us to change our thinking and understand our new identity in Christ. Amen? Because very often, what we think that they think about us influences our behavior and our opinion about ourselves. So if you think that God doesn't like you, then you're going to behave that way. But when you understand that because of your new identity, God loves you, God God sees you so different, then how you relate to God is going to change. We think that the devil is bigger than us and the devil is, you know, waiting to trample us down. But when you know what the devil thinks about you, then the way you face the devil is going to change. But most believers, you know, they see a demon-possessed person, first thing, call the pastor. What about you? You are as much in Christ as the pastor. Amen. You think like, oh, the devil, you know, he thinks I'm a small guy, but the devil thinks the pastor is a big guy. Wrong. You need to know what the devil thinks about you, that he sees you in Christ. Amen. He sees you no different than your pastor or any other person because you are in Christ. And if you can think, Understand what the devil thinks about you. It will change the way you face devils and demonic powers and what they do in the world. So this morning, I want to focus in on the first part, our identity as God sees us. You know, how does God really look at you? Many of us have a very wrong image or understanding of what God thinks about us. And we struggle with this because religion has told us a lot of untruth on what God thinks about us. No, religion tells you God's really mad against you. Religion tells us that, you know, God is waiting to drop fire and brimstone on us. Religion tells us, you know, when we approach God, we got to, you know, just demean ourselves, demote ourselves, dishonor ourselves in order to be accepted by God. But all of that is religious garbage. And if religion is not successful in doing that, then the devil comes to us. The Bible calls him. He's the accuser of the brethren in Revelation 12, 10. And so he does not stop accusing us, saying, you know, you remember the wicked thing you did 25 years ago? 
God still has not forgotten that. He's still holding it up against you. And so the accuser of our brethren, Satan is continuously doing what he's good at. Accusing God's people, keeping them with a sense of guilt, shame, condemnation, a feeling of inferiority, and so on. Every believer is crippled, neutralized, made ineffective for God. Simply because they don't know who they really are in the eyes of God. But we're going to change that. We must understand our identity in the eyes of God. What does God really think about me? So let's go through some scriptures here. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 24, the Bible says, Put on the new man which is created in the image of God in righteousness and true holiness. Put on the new man. You are a new creation. What about this new man? It says it is created in the image of God. Inside you, you are in the image of God. Amen. This new man that you are is in the image of God. So it doesn't matter what people call you on the outside. You can be sitting down on the outside by standing up on the inside. Because you know who you are on the inside. The inner man is created in the image of God. That's who you are. So when God sees you, he doesn't see you as a, you know, a, a good-for-nothing, useless, worthless, sinful, demonized person. When God sees you in Christ, he sees you as an expression of himself. He sees his image on you because you are created in the image of God on the inside. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11 through 11 is an interesting passage. Paul is writing to the Corinthians. They were less... A messed up bunch just like all of us. You know, he says, Do you not know that fornicators, adulterers, homosexuals, and he, uh, you know, drunkards, and he kind of gives a long list of all kinds of evil things, and we all say, Amen, we were once like that. You know? And then he says, Such were some of you. But now, a transition, a change has happened. No, some of you were like that. But now you are clean. You, have, you are cleansed. You are sanctified. And you are justified. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. It says, you know, you were like this. But now you are cleansed. Say this with me. I am cleansed. Oh, let's put it in modern English. I am clean. Oh, better response. <laughs> I am clean. You know, some people have a very wrong idea about the blood of Jesus. No, they think the blood of Jesus is a covering for sin. But the blood of Jesus doesn't cover sin. It cleanses sin. You know, they think, you know, the blood of Jesus is something. I'm a sinner. I'm hiding behind the blood of Jesus. You're not a sinner. You're being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Your garments are spotless, white as snow. There is not even a single stain on you because the blood of Jesus has cleansed you. You're not a sinner hiding behind the blood. You're a sinner washed, perfectly clean, spotless by the blood. And it's a big difference. Because many of us still think we're hiding behind the blood. So, you know, we still have that cringing mentality in prayer. We're coming to God. Oh, God, hope the blood is covering me. (laughs) Oh, God, I am such a stinking sinner. Wake up. The Bible says such were some of you, but now you are cleansed. It's gone. There is no stain. 
the best detergent. Amen. And you are sanctified. The word sanctified simply means God made you holy. He set you apart. He says, you're holy now. You're mine. You're cleansed. You're sanctified. And then there's this other big word. You are justified. Meaning, just as if I never sinned. So in God's eyes, he's saying, you are cleansed. You're sanctified. And you are just as if you never sinned. Just hit yourself and say that. Wake up. In God's eyes. Because you are in Christ, no matter what you were, I mean, you would have a drunkard, you were an adulterer, fornicator, this, 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 Paul lists the whole thing. No matter what you were in the past, today, because you're in Christ, you are absolutely clean. You are sanctified, you're holy unto God. And you, when God sees you, He sees you just as if you never sinned. Justified. So what's your identity before God? Cleansed, sanctified, justified. So now you know what to think about what God thinks about you. This is what he thinks about you. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says this. Again, a very familiar scripture. He who knew no sin, God made to become sin for us, so that we should become the righteousness of God in Him or in Christ. Whose righteousness do you have? Try it again. Whose righteousness do you have? God's righteousness. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So what righteousness do you have? God's. You are as righteous as God himself in Christ. He didn't give you a different kind of righteousness. You know, he has the white, pure cotton robe, and he gives you a polyester blend of righteousness. He didn't do that. The same pure righteousness that he has, he has imparted to you. So when he sees you, he sees an equal, the same righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? 1 Corinthians 1.30 says that God has brought us into union with Christ and has made Him to be our righteousness. God has made Christ to be our. Jesus is my righteousness. You know, we used to sing that old song. I don't know if we still sing it. He is all my righteousness. I stand. I, know, but I don't know if you know it. You don't know. I stand complete in Him and worship Him. That's a powerful song to sing. You are declaring that you are the righteousness of God. And so you're free to stand before God and worship Him. So the key line that I want to make here is this. I should not have a thought in my mind about me that God will not have in His mind about me. Let's say it together. I should not have a thought in my mind about me that God will not have in His mind about so you've got to guard your mind. Don't entertain any thought about you that God will not have about you. When God sees you, He sees you as somebody who's cleansed, who is sanctified, who is justified. Somebody who is in His own image. Somebody who is the righteousness of God. So how dare you think any less of yourself? 
when God says, this is what I think about you. Amen? And then there are many other verses of Scripture. I'm just going to run through it right now that tell us what God thinks about us. We are accepted in the beloved, Ephesians 1, 4. Ephesians 1 and verse 4 says that He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless, covered before Him, covered with His love. We are accepted in Him. We are holy and blameless before Him. So many of us are striving for acceptance before God. Maybe if I pray long enough, Maybe if I read enough chapters in the Bible, maybe if I fast long enough, God will accept me. But that's the wrong basis for acceptance. Your acceptance before God is simply because you are in Christ. You're accepted in the beloved. And you're covered with His love. When God sees you, He sees you, somebody covered in His love. There is no condemnation against you. Colossians 1 and verse 12 says that God has qualified us For the inheritance of the saints in light. God has qualified you to receive everything He's going to give to His people. So many of us are trying to qualify. Tell your neighbor and say, I've qualified. Just boast about it a little bit. Tell them, I've already qualified. Why? Because God did it. He says, He already qualified you to receive the inheritance that He has for the saints. You're not trying to qualify for what God has for His people. You've already been qualified. What you're doing now is trying to contend for it, to live it out, to experience it here on earth. Because there's a devil that doesn't want you to have it. And there are many other people around you who also may not want you to have it. So that's your contention. It's not contending with God. Because He has already qualified you. Amen? He's qualified us for the inheritance that's in the saints. Romans 8 and verse 1. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So how dare the preacher put condemnation on you? Because the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation. Now yes, the Holy Spirit convicts us. That's a different thing. Conviction is to lead us to the, towards God. Condemnation is to drive us away from God. And the Bible says there is no condemnation against you. Because you are in Christ Jesus. And verse 15 of Romans 8, it says, Therefore, we have received not the spirit, Romans 8, 15, we have received not the spirit of bondage to go into fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. We have not received the spirit of bondage or slavery. I like how I think the Good News Bible puts it this way. It says, God does not want us to behave like fearful, cringing slaves. God does not want us to behave like fearful, cringing slaves. He says, no, 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 that's not acceptable. That's not the behavior I want. But I want you to behave like my sons and daughters calling me Abba, Father. Now, religion tells us exactly the opposite. Religion says when you pray, you must say, Oh, Heavenly Father. I can't imitate this well. I wasn't trained, but let me try. You know, sorry. <laughs> says, you know, God, you're so big and I'm so small. I'm unworthy, God. I'm a wiggly worm. God, I'm a sinner. I'm unworthy, God. You know, 
religion says that's how you must approach God. But the Bible says God does not want you to behave like fearful, cringing slaves. Because he has given you the spirit of sonship. He wants you to say, Abba, Father. We are boldness in God's presence. Ephesians 3 and verse 12 says, In him we have access with confidence and boldness. We come to God with boldness and confidence. God sees you as an overcomer. Revelation 12.1, he says that we overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the, by the word of our testimony. And God sees you as somebody victorious in life. In Romans 5.17, it says that those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, they will reign in life. You have received the gift of righteousness and God says you're going to reign. You're a winner. You're an overcomer. Amen. So this is how God sees you. This is God's view of you. Now, I just want to put in a, a little qualifier here before we close and, uh, and talk about the application of it. Now, because I am the righteousness of God in Christ, because God has accepted me, it's not a license for me to go and sin. It is, it's exactly the opposite. Because I know uh, who I am, I now live out of that. I know I'm holy. I know I'm righteous. So I choose to live that way. So if you really know who you are in Christ, that you are the righteousness of God, you will choose righteousness even in your living. So this is not really a license to go and live godly life saying, I am the righteousness of God. I don't care what happens to, you know, what I do because anyway, I am in Christ. No, 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 no. When you know that you are the righteousness of God, when your inner man is created in the image of God in, in righteousness and holiness, and you live out of that identity, you will choose righteousness. Amen. And we say, what happens if I sin? You know, what, if, what happens if I do something wrong? Yes, we do something wrong. We may say things, think things, do things that are not acceptable for God. But then the Bible says that, you know, verse John, verse John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, a passage we all know, that if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what if I do something wrong? You confess. And God's faithful to forgive. You know, probably, and this may not be a very good example, but to illustrate this, you know, look at a father and a son relationship. The son is always a son. Now, he may misbehave, he may disobey, he may do some things that are wrong, and uh, that kind of, you know, the dad's angry with him a little bit. But that does not mean he ceases being a son. He's still a son. All he needs to do is say, Dad, I'm sorry about this. Please forgive me. It's over. It's gone. And he continues living as a son. So the same way in our relationship with God, understand that God has brought us into union with Christ and, and uh, has brought us into this place of, of righteousness, of standing, of standing before God without any sense of guilt, any sense of condemnation, any sense of inferiority. God has brought us into that place. Our biggest battle is in the mind. Satan is the accuser of the brethren and he will always remind you of how unworthy you are. You're about to pray and he will remind you, you know, you did this yesterday, you kicked the dog, chased the cat, whatever. And you're about to do something for God and he's going to tell you how unfit you are, how unqualified you are to do this. That's his job. So your biggest battle is in the mind where Satan brings his accusations condemnation and guilt but you've got to live out of your identity knowing who you are i am qualified 
or the inheritance of the saints. I can do this. I am the righteousness of God. I can enter into God's presence with boldness and confidence. When those thoughts come, you reject them and instead live out of who you really are, of what you know, the way God perceives you, that God accepts you in Christ. Amen? And you know, just like our fingerprint, our identity in Christ never changes, whether it's in the morning, whether it's at noon, or whether it's in the evening. Your identity doesn't change. You're still who you are in Christ. When you feel like it and we don't feel like it, your identity has not changed. Just your feelings have changed. But who you are in Christ does not change. So it takes a little bit of faith to live out of that identity. This is who I am. This is the way I'm going to behave. This is the way I'm going to operate. This is the way I'm going to pray. Because my identity in Christ has not changed. Amen? We've got a little card that we want you to stamp your finger in again. We're going to have the ushers pass them out. It's a little card just to remind you about this message. So we take it home and on your way out, you don't have to do it right now, but we'll pass the cards out. And on your way out, I think there will be ushers who will stand with that stamp pad and you put your fingerprint on the card and say, yes, today I accept my identity in Christ. Amen? I choose to live from that identity. I don't have to strive for it because God has already done it for me in Christ. And I live out of that identity of who I am in Christ in the eyes of God. So when you approach God, you can come without any sense of guilt, any sense of condemnation, any sense of unworthiness, without any feeling of inferiority, because you are in Christ. See, when you live out of your identity in Christ, instead of praying that, oh God, I'm so unworthy, so, so good for nothing kind of prayer, you're going to say, God, I thank you. That I am the righteousness of God. God, I thank you. I can come boldly into your presence because the blood has made me clean. It's sanctified me. It's justified me. I thank you, God. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm qualified to, to enjoy the inheritance of the saints in life. You come with that kind of approach. You come boldly to the throne of grace. You celebrate what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Who you are in Christ is who you really are. I want to close with this statement from Neil T. Anderson, who is a, who's a great author on the subject of our identity in Christ. He says this. He says, the more you reaffirm who you are in Christ, the more your behavior will begin to reflect your true identity. The more you reaffirm who you are in Christ, the more your behavior will tend to reflect your true identity. You affirm the fact that you are the righteousness of God. You affirm the fact that you accepted in the beloved. You affirm the fact that you're qualified for the inheritance of the saints. You affirm it. Say, God, this is what you've done. And the more you'll begin to live out of that true identity that you have in Christ. So why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to pray and just make a declaration. That I am not, a, not what I used to be. I am who I am in Christ. All that religion has told you. That you are so unworthy. God is angry with you. God doesn't like you. God doesn't love you. Now you've got to 
do all this to qualify for God's love and God's inheritance and all that. All the wrong things that we've been taught and maybe we accepted that. We're going to tear it up this morning. Amen? And all the wrong things people have said to us. And this morning we're going to start thinking about ourselves the way the Bible says God thinks about us. Amen? It's going to be a big shift in our thinking, but you need to make the shift. If you're really going to enjoy this life in Christ, to live out of your true identity in Christ, live from that. You're not trying to achieve that. You're not trying to get to it. Religion says you've got to do all this so that you can't have that identity. The Bible says you already have it in Christ. You already have it. That's who you are in Christ. You are the righteousness of God. I want you to just pray and say, God, this morning, I am discarding. I am dismantling. I am tearing down the wrong pictures I had about me. Especially in my relationship with you, God. People told me that I'm an unworthy sinner, but your word says I am cleansed. I am sanctified. I am justified. All the condemnation, the guilt of the wrong that I've done over the years and that I've been carrying, Lord. I don't have to walk under that anymore. Because there is now no condemnation to anyone who is in Christ. So why do I have to walk around with guilt and shame and condemnation over my life when I have become the righteousness of God? So this morning, I am dismantling everything. I'm discarding all the guilt, the shame, the negatives of the past. And I'm embracing this new identity that I do have in Christ Jesus. Let's say this together in Jesus' name. I declare that I am in Christ. I'm a new creation. The old has gone. I am a new person. And in Christ, I am the righteousness of God. I am in the image of God. I am accepted in God. I am qualified in God. I am cleansed. I am just as if I never sinned. There is no condemnation against me. I have boldness to enter into the most holy place. I am a son and a daughter of God. In Jesus' name, I discard all feelings of guilt, condemnation, unworthiness, and shame. God does not want me to carry these. I am a child of God. I walk in righteousness. In Jesus' name. I tear all wrong ideas. I tear them down. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I tear them down. In Jesus' name. All that religion has taught me. I tear it down. I accept the truth. What the Bible says about me in Christ. Now give God a good praise. Just clap your hands. Just thank Him. Lord, we thank you, God. Thank you, God. We embrace our new identity in Christ. We accept the fact, God, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can come to you, God, without any sense of condemnation or guilt or inferiority or unworthiness. We come because we are in Christ 
Jesus. And that identity does not change. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, we just thank you for what you've done this morning. Through your word, through your anointing in our hearts and in our lives. Thank you for setting people free. From wrong thinking. And liberating us to who we are really in Christ Jesus. We embrace that, Lord. We give you thanks. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. And lift up His countenance on you. And give you His peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Remember who you are in Christ. It's who you really are. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.